This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Annalise had a choice between the tortoise or uh, or a python. Yes, Lord have mercy. Thank you for bringing the tortoise. Okay? Wow. Wow. You never know what you're going to get in the mystery box. I'll tell you that. Hey, listen, this uh, summer marked a very significant um, time in my life. Uh, It was 40 years ago in July that at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes um, camp at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I responded to a call to come forward and publicly profess my faith in Jesus Christ. I think about that 40 years ago. I'll never forget that evening. It began with, at that time, uh, a person who was known as the world's strongest man. His name was Paul Anderson. And this guy uh, was built. He was an Olympic uh, world champion weightlifter. He had uh, accomplished feats of strength that were unheard of and did it uh, without the use of any kind of uh, narcotic or, or drug enhancement, steroid, anything of that nature. So he was quite the guy. So he comes up. There was a chair on stage. And he comes walking in and sits down in the chair. And on either side are just two dumbbells. I, I don't know how much they weighed, but they were huge. Okay? And he just sat there and began to do curls like this with these dumbbells. I mean, Effortless. And then he just threw him down on the stage and the whole place just shook. And you can imagine this whole auditorium filled with um, young athletes. You can imagine our eyes were just like this. He had our attention. And he said these words I'll never forget. He said, my name is Paul Anderson and I'm the world's strongest man. But my life would be nothing without Jesus Christ. And he went on to share uh, about the difference that Christ had made in his life. Now you have to understand, up until that point, um, I I had a knowledge of Jesus and and I believed in Jesus. Uh, In fact, Jesus had been really central in my life. Uh, Many of you know uh, that I grew up, my father had gotten to prison. My mother remarried uh, to my stepfather, and my stepfather uh, was an alcoholic and uh, was particularly uh, verbally and physically abusive to my mom and me. Uh, after my stepfather's death in my very early teens, my mother uh, became sick with cancer. And my teen years were spent with mom and me and watching my mom slowly, um, slowly die from this disease. And so when I went to that camp, in July of 1975, I was looking for strength. Now, I, I knew strength, and uh, I prayed, and, and um, I was dependent upon God, I can tell you that. But I had never come forward and publicly declared that faith. I had never really taken a public stand for Jesus, and I wanted to. 
because I knew that I needed his strength and I knew that it was his strength that was enabling me to get through the challenges that I was facing uh, in life at that time. And so I went forward that night and uh, I said, Jesus, uh, I just want everyone to know that you are my Savior, you're my Lord, and I want to proclaim that you are the one who gives me strength. And that night, as I did that, I told the Lord, I want to, in everything I do the rest of my life, um, share with others uh, the message of what you can do and how you can transform and change a person's life. Because he was very much involved in doing that in my life, okay? So that's a really um, significant uh, time in my life, 40 years ago. Now, at that time, I had no idea uh, that I would be uh, called to vocational ministry and serve as a pastor. But through a series of events, God's leading, uh, eventually that happened. And my very first uh, place as a pastor was at a church in Southern California where I was a uh, the junior high pastor. And uh, I remember sitting at uh, one of the very first staff meetings I ever attended. And there around me were all these godly men, right? Uh, The senior pastor, man, was he just a pillar of faith, a man committed to God's word. I'm so grateful that the first church I ever served in, I, I got to sit under his teaching and his leadership. He modeled many things that have influenced and still have influence on my life. And there were others that were there. Some have gone on, in fact, uh, to be noteworthy uh, in, um, in Christian faith. They're authors and speakers and, and people that God has done amazing things in their life. But at that time, we were all gathered around this table in this little town of Sierra Madre, California. Uh, but I was the newcomer. And I remember sitting there, and the, the topic that day the pastor asked was this. I want you to share, each of you to go around the table, I want each of you to share um, the challenges or, or the difficulties that you encounter in living in the world or engaging the world outside the church for Christ, right? Many of those men had been Christians for decades uh, and had been involved in the church for a long time. And they went around and they each shared how... Um, what it was about the world and, and going out and living in the world for Christ and engaging people for Christ, what the challenge was in their life, how, what difficulties that they, that they encountered in doing that, okay? And that came to me. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Should I be really truthful or not? I mean, what would they think about me if I told them what I'm really thinking? And so I decided I'm just going to tell them what I'm really thinking. And I remember... I shared these words. I said, you know, um, I've not been a Christ follower as long as you, and I certainly haven't been on a church staff as long as all of you have. Uh, In fact, um, my upbringing was more in in Catholic church and in terms of Protestant church and evangelical Christianity. um, I have not had that long of an experience So my issue or my challenge isn't living for Christ in the world. I'm more comfortable out there than I am in here. My challenge is kind of learning how to live and and engage people inside the church because that is really foreign to me. Can you imagine making that confession to that group? I mean, it was a pretty scary thing to be that vulnerable, but it was true. 
the truth is I didn't I didn't grow up in the church in the same way that they had or I hadn't been a part of the church that long and even though I was a youth pastor I was still more familiar and more un- more comfortable outside of the church than I was inside the church okay uh, I like to say I church I speak church as a second language uh, you think I'm fluent don't you you see but really it's my second language uh, and um, I was much more comfortable being with people who didn't know Jesus and relating to them. Uh, maybe that's why I have more of an evangelistic bent, huh? Uh, and that I, I do have that. But what began to happen to me over the years, okay, because now we're talking about over 30 years of, of church ministry that I've been involved in. What happened to me over those 30 years is I began to become domesticated. You know what that means? It means I became very comfortable inside the church. And, and even though my, my initial response would have been to say I was more comfortable outside the church than inside the church, I had become so comfortable inside the church and so familiar with it that I had kind of lost that, that edge or that desire to, to be outside and to fully immerse myself in the life of those who don't know Jesus. Can any of you relate to that experience? You don't have to be a pastor to have that happen. You ever had that? In fact, they say that within five years of of coming to faith in Christ and attending a church, most people lose most of their contact and close relationships with people who don't know Christ. Do you know that? And yet, very clearly, our scripture today tells us that, that we are called to mission. We are called by Christ to go out into the world to be his witnesses, right? Not only in the world around us, but, but beyond. Of course, as Jesus is talking to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, he tells them in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Uh, and so the church is born with a missional impulse or an impulse towards mission. And yet... We can become domesticated. We can become so comfortable inside of the church uh, with our potlucks and uh, a good time that we have relating to one another, enjoying one another, uh, growing in our faith, that we lose that edge to want to go out and express our faith with people who don't know the Lord. We're afraid of picking up the turtle, okay, because it's messy. But we forget where we've come from, don't we? How easy that is. Uh, and I know that certainly was a part of, of my life. And so a year and a half ago, after we, my wife Lori and I, came here to Community Covenant, um, I decided to do a sermon series in the book of Acts. And uh, that's a year and a half in the book of Acts. Now, why, why would we do that? We do that because the book of Acts really reminds us and teaches us what it means to be healthy and missional. Healthy meaning pursuing Christ, missional meaning pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. And we want to be a healthy missional church. We want to be healthy missional Christians. We want to pursue Christ. We want to grow in um, 
our, our knowledge of Scripture and our relationship with God. Uh, we want to become men and women of godly stature. And then we want to move out into the world and we want to pursue Christ's priorities. We want others to know um, who Jesus is. We want to share with others that, that Jesus Christ um, can transform and change lives and how he does it. We want to do that. Um, and so we've gone through a study in the, in the book of Acts uh, to remind us of that. And simultaneous to that, uh, we began our denomination's uh, Congregational Vitality Pathway. And that is a ministry of the Evangelical Covenant Church through the Department of Congregational Vitality where we as a congregation really evaluate ourselves uh, and determine how we can live into the ten markers of a healthy missional church. And you might recall those markers. They were the centrality of the Word of God, a life-transforming walk with Jesus, intentional evangelism, transforming communities through compassion, justice, and mercy, global perspective and engagement, compelling Christian community, heartfelt worship, sacrificial and generous living and giving, and a culture of godly leadership and fruitful organization structures. And what we learned is that... um, Healthy missional churches find that all 10 of these markers are present between 80 and 100% of the time. Between 80 and 20% of the time. And we've been on this journey uh, to learn what does that mean. We've gone through four different workshops. We've had vitality teams that have been formed inside our church that have assessed where we are and how we're doing with those 10 missional markers. Then you might recall this past spring, we took the Pulse survey. And the Pulse survey really gave us a read from you, the congregation, on where we actually are on those 10 healthy missional markers. And as a result of that, a um, strategic ministry uh, planning team was formed. And that team's job is to evaluate the Pulse survey to evaluate all the assessments that were done by the vitality teams over the last year, and then to recommend to the church leadership and the congregation uh, a strategic ministry plan or a path for us um, to experience with more vitality those 10 healthy missional markers. That's the journey that we as a church have been on uh, the last year and a half. And the strategic ministry planning team uh, continues to meet and is prayerfully discerning um, the, the God's guidance leading us in what it means uh, to live into those 10 healthy missional markers and how we're going to do that as a church. So for those of you who are new to Community Covenant, that's what we've been up to uh, the last year and a half. And, and simultaneously, we have been going through a study in the book of Acts. And uh, we finished it up last week in Acts chapter 28 with the Apostle Paul arriving uh, in Rome, where he's going to teach, and he's going to write, and he's going to preach uh, for two years uh, with boldness and with great effect. And uh, he'll do that until he eventually is released, where he'll have about four more years of great ministry before he is arrested and tried again and martyred, okay? But we left off at the very end of Acts 
chapter 28, and beginning in verse 30, this is what it says. It says, For two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Verse 31, He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Okay? So he was fulfilling the call to be a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. To share about the good news of God's kingdom and about its king, Jesus. Now, as I think about that and as I think about where we are as a church, I think that as we end the book of Acts, we need to go back to the beginning of the book of Acts just for one last reminder of what God has called us as followers of Jesus and as his church to be about. And so let's look back now at Acts chapter 1, in particular verses 6 and 7. And, and I call this message Back to the Future, because really the book of Acts begins and ends with a call to mission. With a call to mission with a call to proclaim the kingdom of God and the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as we move forward as a church, we need to go back and be reminded of what our future actually is, of what God is calling us to do at Community Covenant uh, as a church and in each of our lives as we remember all that Christ has done for us. And we want to share that hope and that life with those who don't know him yet. And so in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, you might recall, following Christ's resurrection, he came to his disciples and he taught with them for 40 days, a period of about 40 days. And then he gathered them before his ascension to heaven. And uh, he gave them kind of their final charge, their final exhortation, their encouragement, reminding them of what they're to be about until he comes again. Uh, and actually, beginning in verse uh, 4, he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John the Baptist baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's actually 10 days, right? Because he was there 40 days, his ascension. 10 days later would be Pentecost, right? And that at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit would come. And then he says, so they met together. They asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom in Israel? And there are three words here that give us an understanding of what they were actually asking him. The first is the verb restore. Are you going to restore? And what they were actually asking and what they were expecting was the restoration of a political and territorial kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. Now, Jesus had taught about the kingdom of God, hadn't he? And yet in their minds, they wanted to know at that time, was he going to restore the political and territorial kingdom of the nation of Israel? So that's the verb. The noun is Israel. That's a, a national kingdom. 
Are you going to restore the political and are you going to restore the territorial and national kingdom of Israel? And then the adverb there is this time. So are you going to do these things immediately? And so actually what their focus was on was not the Great Commission, not taking word of the kingdom of God and the the ministry and the message of Jesus Christ out to the world, but what were they thinking? They were thinking of their own interests. They were thinking about a national kingdom, Israel. And not only that, but their part in it. They were concerned with uh, political power uh, to restore a national kingdom. But Jesus' promise was for spiritual power to be his witnesses to the end of the, the earth, right? That's what Jesus was promising them. And yet, that wasn't their focus. And so he corrects them. And he says in verse 7, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set forth by his own authority. And you might recall that he had already taught them that. He had already said in Matthew 24, verse 36, that no one knows the day or the time. Only a Father, right? So he had already taught them that, but they had forgotten it. And they were asking, is this the time? But he wanted them to have a much broader perspective and understanding of what their mission was to be. So it's not for you to know the dates or times the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. George Ladd, the great theologian. Speaking of Matthew 24, uh, 14, says this, that this is the most important verse in the word of God and for God's people today. And so what does Matthew 24, verse 14 say? It says, Jesus is teaching and he's teaching his disciples and he says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole nation as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. And so that's an important verse, isn't it? He had taught them that. He had already told them that the gospel of the kingdom needs needs to be taught before the end comes. And he's reminding them then uh, again of this here in the book of Acts. And in Acts, we see something very important. And it's this, that the church exists by mission as fire exists by burning. The church exists by mission as the fire, as fire exists by burning. There's three things we see in this passage. Number one, we see a person. That's Jesus Christ. And the mission of the church is by his authority. He is the one who is sending us. And it is to witness to who he is. And to the reality of the kingdom of God. That is the rule and reign of God. The rule and reign of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what we're to be about. To witness to the world about that. And we get to announce to all people in all places the rule and reign of God through Jesus Christ, His Son. The second thing here is we see the person of Jesus, His authority and witness about Him. But we see His power that's made manifest through the Holy Spirit. There to wait, what? Until the Spirit of God comes on them. And it's the Spirit of God who empowers us for the mission that Jesus gives us to be His witnesses 
in the world. And so it's the power of the Holy Spirit for mission. That mission to testify, to witness to who Jesus is. And there's a a program that goes with the person in power. What is that program? It is a, a program, if you will, or a ministry to witness. To witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and what? To the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. And so the same is true for us as it was for them. That we need to go back to read this, to be reminded of our future. That we have been called into relationship with Jesus Christ. That we have forgiveness of sin. That we have eternal life. But that's not all. We have new life. And that new life includes announcing to all people in all places the rule and reign of God through His Son, Jesus. That we are to be His witnesses in the world. And we do that through the power of His Holy Spirit. can't do it on our own. And that literally, as we leave this place, we go into the world, to the place where we live, the place where God has us, and we are called to be His witnesses. We are called to live for Christ in the world, to demonstrate and to announce the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Now that's our call. That's our call. question is, will we answer? Will we go together? Mission, if you will, is the role of the church together. It's people in community. That's why we've been on the vitality pathway. That's why we are living into those 10 healthy missional markers. So that we as a church can move together in that missional impulse according to the call of Jesus that we're reminded of. That our future It's found back right here in the book of Acts. And do you know it's interesting that the book of Acts kind of has an ambiguous conclusion. It concludes with Paul writing and sharing the gospel with boldness unhindered. But then it ends without great detail. You know, I believe that's intentional. I believe it's intentional so that you and I recognize that the reason it doesn't end is because we continue in the mission that began in the very beginning. That you and I are a part of the movement of God by the power of the Spirit in the world right now in the year 2015. And that the book of Acts in that way continues in our hearts and our lives. This morning, when we're done... Uh, in the library, they're going to be members of our strategic, man, uh, uh, strategic ministry planning team. And they're going to be there to give you an update on how we're doing in our church's strategic ministry plan. How we're doing at living into those 10 healthy missional markers and what our plan is going to be to continue to do that. If you'd like more information about that process, if you want to know where we are in that, I'd encourage you to go to the library immediately following the service. There'll be members of the team there just to share with you an update uh, on how the team is doing. Okay, Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you have given us a person, your son Jesus Christ, 
It's by His authority that we witness to the reality that He is Lord. That you sent Him into the world to be our Savior. And Father, we're to witness to that. To that reality in the lives of those around us and into the uh, ends of the earth. And Father, that you've not called us to do that in our own strength, but you have empowered us with your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of power. Father, we call on that Spirit. We ask that your Spirit would renew us, refresh us, and give us a new spark and desire to, to share about Jesus with others. And finally, Father, you have given us a mission mandate, and that includes Eagle River, the Anchorage Bowl, Alaska, and Lord, even the the ends of the earth. May we be faithful to that. Father, may we, through our church's strategic ministry plan, be about your business, the business of announcing to all people in all places the rule and reign of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Lord, our desire is to do that. Will you remind us daily of your call? And will you send us into our world in the power of your spirit to accomplish it? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.